You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. Today is episode 75, which I was going to like make a big deal about episode 75, but I'm not really sure the number matters because you guys know I talk about the numbers all the time. Uh, we launched on 11-11-21, and we are bringing this entire thing to a culmination on 11-11-22. Uh, and so, yeah, numbers are a big part of this. Uh, you know, my hockey number being 93, uh, you know, we are doing 365 days. We dropped an, an NFT that cost 365 US dollars. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's part of the game. That's part of the fun uh, that we're having here um, on NFT 365. Excited also, uh, we launched with our new sponsor yesterday, uh, the Creator Economy Expo, which is uh, happening in Phoenix, Arizona on May 2nd. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that as we get into it. But um, on this episode, you know, one of the episodes I talked uh, earlier on in, in, the, in the season of the show was about uh, the trends. And, and I will tell you, the, that episode got downloaded a ton. And funny enough, like, I almost didn't do that episode because I feel like there's a lot of podcasts and a lot of content on trends and things that are going on. But I had someone remind me earlier today during an interview that I, I was being interviewed, and they said that they really appreciated my ability to look at certain trends and then provide a perspective that maybe others aren't sharing or aren't conveying um, around the trend. And so that's what we're going to cover uh, on today's episode. And the trends inside of NFTs, inside of crypto, metaverse, I mean, they're all over the place. I mean, we're getting prepared for the Super Bowl, which we could call, you know, the, usually there's a number with the Super Bowl. We could just call this Super Bowl NFT. Uh, you know, I, I posted in, in our uh, Discord, you know, I was wondering, is it going to be over under 10 Super Bowl commercials that mention NFTs. I don't know. It'll be it'll be very interesting uh, on on seeing kind of how that all kind of uh, unfolds uh, with the Super Bowl. But you know, for me, one of the things that I like to focus on when I'm looking at trends, when I'm thinking about the future, is that you know it's easy for us to focus on like the the in the moment or what everyone's talking about. But I think we have to take a step back and think about the greater impact as well as like understanding some of the nuances, especially, you know, in this Web3 NFT space, right? And it's very easy to talk about like the shiny objects and, you know, Bored Ape Yacht Club and how many millions of dollars this NFT was bought for. But I don't believe that attracts actually the right audience to um, the NFT space. And in many ways, you know, I look at the NFT community as, you know, a lot of the people that are in it today, a lot of them are early adopters. A lot of them came over from crypto. A lot, a lot might be artists that were kind of, you know, emerging here. A lot are from Clubhouse and Twitter spaces that, you know, if you're on Clubhouse or you're active on Twitter spaces, you literally cannot get away from conversations around NFT and crypto. But there is a whole bunch of this world that, you know, NFTs still seem like, 
you know, maybe it's the thing that celebrities are doing or, you know, last night, Jimmy Fallon uh, with Paris Hilton and, and shout out to Paris Hilton. I think Paris Hilton has done a, a great job being an advocate for uh, NFTs and just the way that she uh, brings these conversations to light, I think are, um, you know, really, it's, a, it's, it's really important to not only provide different perspectives, but also it's important for us to hear things through different mediums and different uh, versions of medium. And so for me, like I wanted to cover a couple of things. And the first one is, you know, Twitter rolled out um, in the last week, the idea that now your, your profile photo can be verified. I don't know why I said photo like that. Sorry. That was my, your profile photo um, can be verified with your NFT collection. Right. And, uh, and most people, for the most part, we're excited about this. There was a, a, a kind of a little bit of an uproar on Twitter because uh, to enable this feature, you had to enable Twitter Blue, which is the Twitter subscription uh, model, which is two dollars and ninety nine cents um, a month, uh, and you get a couple of extra features. I've I subscribed to Twitter Blue the day it came out. Um, I find you know a little bit um, you know irony in the fact that you know people are complaining, people that are willing to pay hundreds of dollars in gas. Or five hundred dollars. I mean, for five dollars a month uh, to boost a server on Discord, we're very much in an uproar about the fact that Twitter rolled out this feature um, underneath of the the fact that you need to be on Twitter Blue. But I actually think there's a there's a bigger conversation here, right? Because yes, it's cool that the you know the it's a hexagon. If you are are verified, if you have your Twitter, if you click on Twitter and you connect your wallet, it actually allows you to uh, connect to your um, NFT collection. Uh, we did do a little bit of research on uh, kind of the security side. It is actually pretty easy to disconnect your wallet, and it's not actually a live connection. So from a security perspective, you know, Twitter covered their basis. Uh, there was a lot of people that were talking about they wished that the Twitter verification or Twitter NFT only used verified collections. In my opinion, that would be everything that's wrong with this space, right? Because we OpenSea takes forever to verify a collection, and and just being verified doesn't, you know, there's a whole slew of amazing projects that are not verified. There's amazing artists that are creating that will never have their project uh, verified. And the fact that we want to create some kind of hierarchy um, in there, I think, is a, is a mistake personally. But when I think about this in a bigger context, right, I, I was verified on Twitter back in 2015. Uh, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I was running one of the largest Twitter chats um, every single Monday called Social Business Hour. Um, and I was very heavy into uh, Periscope and live streaming and doing a lot of influencer work in that space. And I will tell you, you know, getting verified on Twitter or getting verified on a platform is something that a lot of people like seek to um, have. And And weirdly enough, like, some people like it because it's like a maybe it's a validation or like maybe they think that people will you know give them more respect or treat them better. Um, I do feel like if I direct message a brand or uh, a, a influencer, I have a higher likelihood of them replying because I am verified. But I, I actually look at this like this NFT segment into the greater picture of how do we you know, how do we fix right now what I believe is the stopgap when it comes to uh, the blockchain. And what I want to explain on that is right now, when you know, we talk a lot about when something um, is put onto the blockchain that is there forever and it has a chain of custody and we're able to see who owns it, how much they sell it for. But here's the problem. 
who verifies that what is actually going on the blockchain is actually legit, right? Like just because we can validate something, just because it has a chain of custody, doesn't mean that the origination of whatever product or service or project is actually legit. Hence the reason that that rug pulls exist and people are able to um, kind of play in that arena. And so what I think of this as Twitter kind of moving to this arena, allowing you to connect your wallet via your mobile device is bigger picture this is another element of, of demonstrating trust, right? And so, like, for me, that's what that, that verification symbol on Twitter means. And so when we think about this, in this game of Web3, when it comes to cryptocurrency, creator coins, NFTs, metaverse, all of this amazing, uh, you know, kind of technology and emergence into Web3, one of the bigger aspects that we have to really kind of understand is that element of trust. And the, the reason that it's extra stressful is because of the financial component that is attached to NFTs. And, and I've said this before on the podcast, and I'll say it again. You know, like in 2014, I was giving a keynote uh, about blockchain and how excited I was for the blockchain technology. And what I said on that, that keynote was like, please, for the love of all things, don't let cryptocurrency be the first mainstream adoption of the power of the blockchain. Now, as you guys might be able to tell, um, my wishes or dreams did not come true, and cryptocurrency became the, the first kind of mass-adopted uh, use case. Some could argue it's not mass-adopted yet, but let's face it, I think the average person now today um, knows the terms Bitcoin um, and cryptocurrency. They probably get the two of them mixed up. They think all cryptocurrency is Bitcoin, or Bitcoin is the name for all cryptocurrency, but... Um, I'm not one that likes to argue nuances. I think small people uh, argue over small things like, you know, trying to correct people from saying that kind of stuff. But what I think the, the, the Twitter conversation and really the, the conversation as a whole here is what are the things that we can do using Web2 solutions that allow us to build additional trust layers into Web3? And so that's how I look at that, right? So when I see a hexagon on someone's profile on Twitter, it's not like, oh my goodness, they, they, they have that amazing NFT, but at least I now know that they are connected to their wallet, they have a MetaMask, and they are who they say they are. Because there are a lot of people right now, and I, and I posted a tweet about this earlier, and I, I'm at the point, well, that's not even to say, I'm not even at the point anymore. I am, I am, I am moving forward where if I see NFT influencers that are promoting and advertising and, and advocating for people to, to buy an NFT project. And that person has not bought that NFT project themselves and they do not stand behind it when it falls or, or when there might be issues. I, I'm no longer okay with that. And I, and I think, you know, for a little while there, I was trying to kind of stay a little bit neutral, but I, I feel like there's, a, there's like that, that gray area where, you know, I want to focus on educating people and the audience, but if we deal with so many people that are manipulating and, and forcing people to do things, not forcing them, but really using their influence um, to uh, really manipulate in many ways um, their audience, I, I just think that's uncalled for. I think it's shameful. I think if you're listening to this podcast and you feel like you are that person, right now is the time to change, to stop doing that. You know, no one NFT project is worth jeopardizing the trust you have with your audience and your community. And unfortunately, I think that's been overlooked when all of these shill project comes out and people just want a whitelist or an NFT to, to promote something. And I will tell you here on this podcast, that is not happening.
happening. And, you know, I'm getting hit up all day, every day with people that are shilling whatever they got. And I promise you, we will be doing the due diligence. And if we talk about a project or it, we are we are advocating or mentioning something, I will tell you if I own it. If we bought it for Mint 365, I will explain to you how I discovered it. I will make sure to caveat that we have to do your own damn research but also at the same time, I believe we have to kind of look at these elements of trust and how do we you know, enable that trust. And so the Twitter piece, I will say, like, I think it's really you know, kudos to Twitter. Twitter uh, you know, has been my favorite social platform for a long while, but I've also been kind of disappointed on Twitter's ability to market their own innovations and their own features for tar- far too long. And a lot of that changed as Kayvon became more of a leader over there at Twitter, as Twitter rolled out Twitter spaces, and they, and they really did a great job of innovating um, transparently and out in the public. Uh, and now I look at Twitter as a platform that is not only willing to innovate, right? You can, you can go on my Twitter right now, click on the tip button, and you can tip me in Bitcoin right now on Twitter. Most people don't even realize that that's a feature, right? And so when we look at these, these different things, not only do we have to look at it from what are these platforms doing to push us forward, but how are these platforms or these features or the, the different aspects allowing us to build trust? Now that brings me forward to one of the you know the vulnerabilities that was uh, kind of exposed the last couple of days, and and what the vulnerability was that you know was exposed was that you know this advice was being given um, out a lot uh, by uh, you know by others. You never heard this advice coming from me because it felt like a hack that was trying to hack the blockchain that wasn't built for it, and I didn't have enough research or data to understand it. And what was happening was, if you are trying to, uh, you know, of course, sell uh, or, you know, cancel a sale, if you're posting your NFT for sale on OpenSea, and you want to cancel it, there's, there's a gas fee that's charged there. Usually it's about $20, 12 to $20 or so um, that is charged. And one of the ways that many people were getting around that was rather than canceling the, the, the for sale public transfer, they would just transfer it to another wallet and then the item would no longer be for sale. That sounds like, wow, okay, we just fixed the problem. Well, what happened was that when, if that person, which is what happened the other day, transfers that same NFT back to that original wallet that was it was for sale for, the NFT will actually still stay so, you know, uh, as in that sale cycle because it actually technically wasn't removed from sale on OpenSea. It was the, the link to the actual NFT was shifted out of the wallet but that, that initiation still was there inside of OpenSea. And what happened was they moved Bored Apes and Mutant Apes back in and they posted at a very low price point and someone just sweeped in and bought um, the four NFTs or so that they had at that price point. And, and we might say like, you know, that's an OpenSea problem. We might say that that is, um, you, know, you know, it's part of like human error. But I think part of this comes down to we have to like respect the technology and the mediums that we're using and we also have to understand that like with that risk, right, when you're starting to do things that are, are hacking or trying to get around fees and charges, like the reason that, that those things aren't done by everyone is because there is a risk associated. And I think it's very easy for us to blame the fact that there, you know, there's no customer service or checks and balances available here in the blockchain. But I think that's a little bit short-sighted, right? Like it's, it's like, you know, we're the ones that are, we're trying to do things that, that it wasn't designed for. And then when it fails, we want people to pay us or like refund us or feel bad for us. And so I, I just think it's important for that, right? I'm a, I'm a, 
I'm a, without question, I am a white hack, uh, white hat hacker. I am one that is always looking for ways to, you know, see through uh, the woods, you know, kind of dissect things in different ways. But at the same time, I understand the risk that comes with that, right? When I was jailbreaking my iPhone and they would say, this might violate your uh, iPhone warranty. When I went to Apple to get my phone fixed and they're like, hey, we know you jailbroke this. The, you can't, you know, we can't give you that, you know, cash in on the warranty. The only person to blame there was me because I, I did that knowingly that that was the risk that I was going to have. And guess what I did the next iPhone I got? I also jailbroke that iPhone because for me the rewards that I was getting actually outweighed the risk, hence why I did it. And so I, I, I challenge everyone to kind of look at that, um, you know, to wrap up that kind of trend or that story, uh, OpenSea actually did end up refunding um, the person that got, uh, you know, uh, their NFT sold um, at a massive discount, which is, hey, kudos to them and kudos for them doing that. Now, with all that being said, you know, like, this is the creator economy. And part of the beauty of the creator economy is the shift of ownership, it is no longer ownership of platforms. It is no longer ownership of uh, you know big entities. It's rather individual ownership, right? And and I've said this a lot. I continue to hit it home, right? I worked in cybersecurity for the Department of Defense, and the number one vulnerability in cybersecurity, the Department of Defense, is not the Chinese, it is not the Russians, it is not your 17-year-old neighbor, it is not like little hackers. It is actually a term called insider threat. And what that means is it's actually human error is the number one vulnerability that causes cybersecurity issues. Either a person willingly or unwillingly, without knowing, um, gives away the password, clicks on a link, and exposes the network. And so here's the thing that I, I want people to kind of think about and, and embrace and understand is that if we want this decentralization and the control to be shifted off of the platforms, we also have to recognize that we as creators must evolve. We as creators must surround ourselves with creators that are willing to not only support, but educate and advocate. And so that's why I was excited when uh, the Creator Expo, uh, Creator, Creator Economy Expo decided to sponsor uh, our podcast. You know, right now they're actually selling uh, a collection of 100 NFTs. And those 100 NFTs uh, contain what you get for holding that uh, uh, NFT from uh, you know, the Creator Economy Expo is it's actually a never-ending lifetime VIP access to all of to the, the to the Creator Economy Expo event that is actually happening uh, on May second in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and all of the additional events that they will have after that. And I will tell you, Joe and Brian, uh, the two founders of that event, uh, are, are putting together a heck of a lineup. I love the NFTs. The art is really cool as well. And I mean, how interesting is that, right? If you really want to, you know, take it to the next step in this whole creator economy, we have to own it, own that it's up to us to educate ourselves. It's up to us to educate our audience. It's up to us to surround ourselves with people that make us better, that allow us to accomplish things that maybe we've never even realized were possible. And for me, that's, you know, like great events like the, uh, the Creator Economy uh, Expo that's happening there on May 2nd. So make sure you guys check it out. There are only 100 uh, total of those VIP tickets available. Um, you can buy them on OpenSea or you can actually, uh, I think, mint them over on uh, mint.cex dot events that's mint.cex.events and you know i think you know when we talk about events we can't 
overlook the fact that the Super Bowl is coming up, right? And I mentioned earlier, right, like what's the over-under of people mentioning the Super Bowl um, in, you know, Super Bowl, com- or <laughs> the Super Bowl commercials mentioning NFTs. But here's the thing that I actually looking at this, right? Look, I'm actually looking at the Super Bowl commercials that mention crypto and NFTs, not for what brands are doing it, but rather what is their wor- word choice in how they're delivering their message around this industry, around the space. Because no offense to Matt Damon or Ben Affleck, I know you guys like to fight against each other, but no offense to Matt Damon or Ben Affleck or you know, celebrities, but a celebrity telling me to go to uh, you know, invest on crypto.com, for me, that's very 1999 marketing. Right? Like, what makes... What makes us think that because a celebrity is hawking a crypto exchange that all of a sudden now we are going to be like, oh, I didn't believe in crypto, but because Matt Damon told me that I should be on crypto.com, now it makes sense. Of course. Like, why not? No, that, 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 is, the, that is 1999 marketing. When we look at today, it's about people that we can relate to. And I believe that most of the brands, most of the commercials are going to miss the mark. I believe I'm going to be extremely disappointed at this year's Super Bowl commercials that mention crypto and that mention NFTs, not because I think that, that they're not going to happen and, and it's going to be a buzz and my dad's going to be like, oh, Brian, I now understand, you know, what, what are these NFT things that you're talking about? And, you know, no, no shot at my dad. My dad holds my NFT, massive holder of my ADHD coin. So uh, mad love to my dad. But the question becomes, imagine if they had people that look like us on the commercials, talking about their experiences or sharing their journey on how it opened up doors, allowed them to connect with people, allowed them to be found and heard, allowed them to be surrounded with people that they didn't even know existed in the world, but thanks to this NFT they purchased, it unlocked this amazing experience, this amazing opportunity. But they're not going to do that. And I feel like this is where, as a community, as a group, what we have to do is when we talk about these commercials or we, we share these things out, it's up to us to educate beyond the celebrity hype, but beyond the endorsement. Because I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I didn't jump into NFTs because some celebrity told me to. Or I didn't jump into NFTs because I thought it was coming from that light. Right? Like, I look at it and said, wait a second, like, this, is a, this is a chance for us to unlock community and empower a shared value that truly can lift the rising tide can lift all boats in a way that we can grow together like that to me was the magic and i think unfortunately just knowing the way that the brands work and the and the, the different aspects there really what what the what these super bowl commercials are going to do they're going to make our parents and that one uncle that we have start sending us text messages annoying us they're going to have all of the, 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 the bros and the, and the hype masters that, that like to hype their coins and, and, and just promote their own bag. It's going to give them a vehicle to feel as though they're validated. And then it's going to give us a lot of, of uh, fodder to talk about. And here's the thing. I, 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 will not, I will not shy away from conversations around these topics. But I think it's important for us to just think about it from a standpoint of, like, how do we onboard people that, uh, that can embrace this medium in a way that is positive and, and pushes us forward. It's not about celebrity endorsements. It's about us telling the story. And, and, and I, I said that on the last episode. Like If each person that has that aha moment in NFTs tells one person, this space is better. 
Now, the other part of this is, you know, the Coinbase NFT platform. And I, I've mentioned before, you know, one of the episodes we're going to have this week uh, on the podcast, uh, I do have uh, two of the different, uh, you know, actually, I'll, I will have three by the time we do the podcast, but uh, a couple of the hardware wallets, right? So I have uh, right now the, the Secure X, uh, the V20 uh, NFT wallet, uh, hardware wallet. I'm going to do a comparison for you guys. Uh, so before you spend your money, I'll kind of give you like the pros and the cons of each. Neither one of these companies currently sponsor or anything or I paid full dollar you know full uh, retail price for these products uh, so I will give you the straight-up truth on you know is it worth using what's the pros what's the cons but the reason I, I bring that up in the sense of like looking at these different components you know with coinbase you know nfts coming into the market we know that Facebook has uh, uh, talked about it we know that reddit has has leaked that they're gonna get into the nft game no doubt Instagram will be LinkedIn will probably come in the game five years from now and, and hoping that we're excited for, for NFT. No, I love LinkedIn. I, I feel bad tonight. I shouldn't give LinkedIn so much crap because uh, it's one of my favorite platforms and I love what Microsoft's doing over there. But yeah, we just have to admit they're a little bit uh, usually late to, the, uh, late to the party. But with all of that being said, with all the, when I look at Coinbase NFTs, it's very easy for us to say, oh my goodness, they have 2 million plus people on the wait list. Like this is going to infuse a whole lot of new blood, a whole lot of new people into the space. I think ultimately what it's going to do is it's going to give people the opportunity to come into the space. The question is, are the way that we are bringing projects to light, the way that we are having these conversations, are they worthy enough to attract people that aren't already early adopters, that aren't already in the bleeding edge? And here's the thing. If you're listening to this podcast right now, or maybe you're watching the live video, we're live streaming on IG Live, we're live streaming over on Twitter Live as well. If you're listening to this right now, you have an early adoption mindset to just even listen in, right? And, and I've said this for everyone. Do your own damn research. This is not financial advice. And remember, it has to be right for you, right? And that means you shouldn't be kind of like operating outside your means. And if the financial obligation is a barrier, please go check out our website and just follow along on the journey. I mean, I'm buying an NFT every single day for a year. I'm going to have a time capsule of what this community looked like from November 11th of last year to November 11th of this year. And I want to bring you guys on the journey with me. It does not cost any money to follow along and check out the updates that we have each day as we buy an NFT project, as we kind of drive that narrative around that. But the thing that I, I, I think about when it comes to Coinbase NFTs, and, and here's the truth. When someone asks me, like, Brian, what do you think is going to happen when Coinbase NFT Marketplace opens up the doors. And I said, we're going to get a lot more of the same questions that we've been answering for six months. We're going to have a lot more rug pulls than we have right now. We're going to have a lot more crappy projects that are, that are projecting roadmaps that they, like, they're, you know, they're trying to deliver on things their ass can't cash. We're going to have a lot more opportunities to expose people to the power and the beauty of what's possible in this arena, but also the opportunity for those that prey on the weak and prey on those that are, that are unsure. And that's one of the things we, we have to just recognize and own. And I don't want people to get overly hyped. Like, I am passionate. I am optimistic. I mean, I have moved all in. I mean, what more all in can I say than every single day for a year, 365 days and holidays, I'm buying an NFT and I'm doing a podcast. Like, literally, that's how all in I am. But I'm also going to be one that I'm going to put on my little futurist hat right now, right? This is, uh, I'm going to put on my futurist hat. My prediction is six months from now, 
as an NFT community, we are going to be no more forward than we are right now. We have the possibility to embrace and, and, and drive a culture that, that we is more designed in our favor. But we have a long way to go before this quote-unquote mass adoption or quote-unquote like how do we get it mainstream. I don't, those that are trying to focus on getting it mainstream or mass adoption are kind of missing the, par, the, the mark. The mark here is if we are able to tell the stories, we are able to mitigate some of the ability for people to be scammed out of things, we're able to increase the technology components to where they're a little bit simpler to use because let's face it, you know, I'm buying an NFT every day. We've done it on nine blockchains. If I asked you right now to buy an NFT on the Matic, you know, with Matic uh, cryptocurrency, would you be able to do that? Probably not. The average person's not going to be doing it. I don't think the average person would be like, well, Brian, I have a MetaMask. How do I buy a Solana NFT? Well, MetaMask doesn't allow you to buy a Solana NFT. You're going to have to get a Phantom Wallet. Phantom Wallet is my personal favorite for Solana. And you're going to have to you know, use an exchange like Coinbase to sh- exchange your crypto into Solana. And then you're going to have your Solana and you're going to send it over to uh, the Phantom Wallet. And then you're like, well, Brian, where, is OpenSea connect to my Phantom Wallet? No, no. OpenSea doesn't exist on that blockchain. OpenSea is a market chain for Ethereum and Polygon uh, NFTs. What you're going to have to look for on, over on Solana is you're going to have your Magic Eden and SoulSea and SoulArt and some of the other uh, marketplaces that exist. And the reason I say all of that is because you're, you're overwhelmed. You're a little bit confused. I'm going a little bit fast. But can you imagine all of the people that aren't even taking the time to listen to a podcast that all of a sudden are going to get an email from Coinbase NFTs that say, the doors are open, go buy yourself your next 100x lottery ticket. And they jump in, they're excited, they get a DM that says, congratulations, you've been added to the whitelist. Just click this button. They click that button, it says, just sync up your wallet. And they're like, I, I know that's what I'm supposed to do. They click sync, and then that link says, please insert your seed phrase. And well... Everyone that listens to this podcast knows one thing. At no time ever will you be asked for or should you give your seed phrase to anyone. Your seed phrase is different than your wallet address. Your wallet address is like your email address. You can give out your wallet address to people. It can either be an ENS domain or it can be a hash. But the seed phrase is either 12 words or 24 words, and that is the master key to your wallet. And if you give it out, you no longer have control of what happens to your wallet. It's just like the master key of a Lamborghini. I could give you the copies of the key, and you could drive the Lamborghini, but whoever has the master key, no matter where that Lamborghini is parked, I can take that master key, go unlock that that Lambo, and well. You can tell I don't own a Lambo because I just said unlock as if I, I got, it's probably like push start now. It's probably actually AI start. I have no idea. I drive a Jeep Wrangler. I'm a Jeep guy. But I say all of that because we have to manage expectations. We have to manage expectations of our goal and our optimism shouldn't be around mass adoption. Our goal and our, op- op- our, op- you know, our optimism should be tied to more education, more ability to tell the stories and the use cases of nfts i was talking to a gentleman today who has a massive art collection that was explaining to me how the galleries really make it impossible for those that have amazing art collections to have any control on reselling their art as a collector and they want to be able to sell it because it's just sitting in a crate 
And the more we talked about NFT twins and we are building a strategy around using some of the, uh, the art-based uh, marketplaces, the more aha moments that existed. Like the idea that we can remove the starving from the starving artist, the idea that we can empower you know, communities and individuals to find their people, to me is what this is all about. Like my North Star and the reason I love you know, to, to talk about that harmony between technology and humanity is that I believe if we approach innovation and the future correctly, that we have the ability to make the world a little bit less lonely of a place. Yeah, that's where, that's where I'm going here. I actually look at it as the loneliness factor, right? Like there is no reason as connected as we are as a society and a generation, there is no reason as a culture that the, the suicide rate is going up. There is no reason that people feel more alone today than they did five years ago. And, and part of that byproduct, part of that problem stems from our own lack of, of vulnerability, lack of, uh, of humanity and empathy. But it's also about finding your people. And social media, digital, online has not been great at helping us find our people. And I didn't say help you find your Facebook friend that you went to school with in high school. And I didn't say someone that, like, that is a, you know, a coach just like you are. But to find your people that, that get you, that understand you, that you probably would have only interacted with if you guys were brought together. And that's where I look at what NFTs can empower. And so hopefully when you guys listen to the trends and you listen to the, the buzz and the media coverage, they're going to talk about what brands are talking about NFTs. They're going to talk about the fact that people are still getting scammed and, and uh, you know, the, the problem with OpenSea and OpenSea is the problem. But I really think we need, to, we need to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves and we need to own part of this journey, part of this conversation ourselves. And part of that ownership means we need to be very diligent in managing our expectations and taking our own role in moving things to the next level. So I know uh, I did mention that, that event that, uh, you know, CEX, which is the uh, Creator Economy Expo. I will be there uh, on May 2nd in Phoenix, Arizona. So hopefully I will see you guys there. Definitely jump in and get one of those uh, limited edition. Uh, there's only 100 available. I think there's less than 75 now available of those uh, NFTs that get you VIP access to all of the events, every event uh, moving forward. And I want to give a shout out. Thank you uh, for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, for helping us, you know, bring you know this content there every single day, and thank you all that are listening. Thank you for all that are, are a part of this community. Uh, I just love it. I, I wake up right now excited about what's going on, excited the possibility to hopefully educate, hopefully motivate, hopefully inspire. But more so than anything else, like my goal is just to you know provide a perspective and a mindset that that hopefully inspires your creativity, allows you to recognize that we do. And we are living in the greatest time in history. We have the ability to reimagine the future of work, reimagine the future of personal responsibility. We have the idea that we get to remap the way that you know, limitations and uh, censorship has been you know, kind of deployed upon us as a, as a group and a society. But it's up to us uh, to own that. Or we can just sit around and debate Bitcoin and Shiba Inu or complain about OpenSea or just hype our bag and promote whatever company is sending us in one ETH to talk about. Because if that's what we continue to do and that's what we continue to support, we got a long way to go. But 
I'm bullish and I'm confident on each and every one of you. And I believe if you're listening to this podcast, if you're subscribing to the podcast, if you take this podcast episode and you drop it in a discord, what's your, whatever your favorite NFT project is, take your favorite episode of this podcast, drop it in your favorite discord under the shill promote. Don't, don't spam. Please do not spam. But if there's a shill or promote um, section in your favorite discord, take the podcast episode and drop it in there. I'm not doing that because I want I want people to want you to do it for me. I think we need to do it for our community. We need to amplify those that are educating, those that are, that are motivating, those that are inspiring, and those that are ultimately building a culture that we want to be a part of. Until tomorrow, my friends, make it a great day. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>